Today is Thanksgiving Sunday, and as we begin our Thanksgiving Thanksgiving week, I think we ought to follow the guidance of the scriptures, not the mood of the culture. And one of the important things about sola scriptura, and scripture alone has the final authority and guidance for us. We ought to listen to the scripture rather than the culture. And as I mentioned last week, uh, somewhat humorously, you know, they used to play Christmas music the day after Thanksgiving, but Coast 103, obviously there's enough demand to start Christmas music even a week or two weeks before the Thanksgiving. So the whole thing is a syncretistic, in which, which means that it is a Christ birth, uh, the celebration of what's coming up is the birth of Messiah, but it became introduced to the Western world and the culturally accepted Christian uh, culture and it mixed with the secular culture, so it's mixed in many different things. So have you noticed that Coast 103 don't really play the music that speaks of birth of Christ. It speaks of uh, a lot of other things. The warm fuzziness of feelings and you know, I'll be home for Christmas. And all that is, you know, I love some of the music as well. As well. I'm not condemning that. In the same way, Thanksgiving has been replaced with the syncretistic idea of Turkey Day. And even churches can be lured into that. The Turkey Bowl, so a lot of uh, churches play tag football. Uh, they call it Turkey Bowl and play among the young adults or uh, even the people who don't usually play football, and they celebrate that, that that way. And who could forget? I mean, this this year, I think the the news uh, media tells us that economy is good, so people spend a lot of money. And the Black Friday, and then Cyber Monday, Cyber Tuesday, so many things are going on. And then the people really are small enough to research, to get a really incredible deal. And, and uh, one of the things that I enjoy most about these holidays, including Christmas and Thanksgiving, is family get-together, reunions, feast. In the midst of it all, we could forget what their scripture guide us. So Psalm 138 is today's my text. Uh, but before I get go, go into that, um, let's look at... Thank you, Jay. The main idea that I am introducing today is... Uh, 
why keep Thanksgiving central, giving thanks central, in other words, in Thanksgiving season? The title of today's message is A Wholehearted Thanksgiving. has double meaning. The Thanksgiving season is wholehearted. At the same time, our giving thanks is wholehearted. So we, we will learn about scripture guidance about that. But the key idea, but let's think about reasons why it is essential for us to keep giving thanks in central and in Thanksgiving season, especially in this Thanksgiving season. Number one, it is to acknowledge that every good gift comes from above, our Heavenly Father. So anything that we have and we enjoy, including our children and our family and your favorite food and your favorite movie, everything that comes, the good gift comes from above. God is the giver of good gifts. And it is through thanksgiving, giving thanks, we acknowledge that. And number two, it is a remedy for our spiritual amnesia of what God has done for us. Our fallen heart has a default mode. Our default mode is we get forgetful. Isn't it so true that when, when, that when the time that we were going through severe trial and we experienced God's answer and mercy, we're so filled with joy and even teary-eyed. But after a few months, we forget. And that's why Psalm 103, verse 2 said, the psalmist calls his own soul, commends his own soul, having a positive, really, self-talk, the preaching the gospel to his soul, saying, forget none of his benefits. Bless the Lord, all my soul, forget none of his benefits. And then some of you did take time to to reflect on all the blessings that God bestowed on you uh, through this year, 2017, thus far. And you, you would probably find, as I have, wow, I forgot about that. And as we mindful of counting the blessings and give thanks, it is a remedy. It is not a cure because each year we're going to forget. And in some sense, that as long as we have the fallen heart, the old self, until we get to heaven, we will have the spiritual amnesia as a default mode. Thirdly, it is to obey one of the most repeated commands, not a suggestion, commands in scripture, give, to give thanks. As a matter of fact, I searched the phrase give thanks. In ESV version, English Standard Version, comes up with 
73 times throughout the entire Bible. 73 times either the, the word give thanks is commanded in command form or we give thanks to you, O Lord. So obviously we ought to obey that. And fourth and finally, it is the best way of expressing our trust and faith in the Lord. Lord, I trust you. The best way to express that is to give thanks. And that's why even 1 Thessalonians 5.18, give thanks in all circumstances. Not for all circumstances, but in all circumstances, good or bad, joyful or sorrowful, we could give thanks to the Lord. For He, the Lord is good. And Hebrews 11.6 tells us it is impossible to please God without faith. And I didn't understand this uh, passage clearly, and maybe fully, until I became a father. Your, your children could do anything that is such obedient way and act in such a way that there is no room for correction, except the child, he or she doesn't have full trust. He always questions you and your motive. And even your physical affection, there's a hesitation. That would be so sad. I think uh, as a father of four sons, one of the best joys that I have experienced in this life, and starting with Soren, I, just, I would put them, it, it become a ritual. I put them on a table, a kitchen table, and I'll say, jump. And this little hesitation scary as a little baby, right? But it's become more trusting. And then as I step back, and to a point that I, I step back, I didn't mean, to, mean him to, to jump then. And he would jump, and I had to catch him. Such a all-out trust. That pleases God. And how do you express that full trust? By giving thanks. So uh, here's good news and bad news. And the good news is that even modern uh, medicines or psychology will support the benefits of being thankful, thankfulness. So even non-Christians encourage each other to be thankful. Uh, the the bad side of the 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 side that is not benefit us is that we forget about the object of our worship, the the giver of the gift. But I don't know some some reason. Just two days ago, November seventeenth, and. Uh, and I found this in U.S. 
USA Today online version. And I guess Thanksgiving is coming up, and this is a totally secular media, and secular uh, people are posting this. Four reasons gratitude is good for you. Psychologists, health psychologists by the name of Sherlock Migraine, um, maybe Migraine, I don't know, uh, is the one who said this quote. And she says, research suggests that individuals who feel grateful experience lower blood pressure, improve immune functions, recover more quickly from illness, and more effectively cope with stress. Four good reasons. Yay. And I, as a pastor, I'm, I, I really am thankful for this article. So I, I almost feel tempted to uh, forward this to you all. But there's a one reason why I didn't. Because Psalm 138 expounds on that primary reason. And there are three key characteristics of wholehearted thanksgiving to the Lord that helps us to not to give thanks pragmatically only because it, it helps, uh, helps me and it helps me healthy and then another, another reason is that because of our generation, the postmodern generation, the postmodern generation, the truth are relative, and the feelings are more, subjective feelings are most important things to decide uh, right and wrong or, or it good or bad. So we end up te tend to go along with the crowd and current. And think about this one. Thanksgiving is coming up. And Thanksgiving, for some people, is a depressing, lousy season because you don't like your family members that much. And your job is not going well. And you lost a lot of money investing. And you, you struggle with your health. And your marital conflict is just arousing big time. Waiting for feelings. I'm not grateful. I need to chew. Be true to, to my feelings. You see, we are guided by feelings. But Psalm 138 is one of the biblical mandate to us that is somewhat paradoxical and ironical to our generation. What, what have you learned? You can't tell others to what to feel. It's, it's like common uh, principle everybody embraces these days. But you know, do you know that Scripture commands us to feel a certain way? And to be thankful is another one. And to be joyful is another one. Why? Because it's directly related to our trust and faith. So in that regard, we're going to look at what wholehearted thanksgiving look like in our relationship with the Lord. Here's the first one. 
wholehearted thanksgiving is God-centered. Verse 1, I give you thanks, O Lord, with all my heart. Before the gods, I sing your praises. I bow down toward your holy temple and give thanks to your name for your steadfast love and your faithfulness. For you have exalted above all things your name and your, your word. On the day I called, you answered me. My strength of soul, you increased. Do you notice this? Verse 3. On the day I called, you answered me. My strength of soul, you increased me. Increased. In the latter uh, verse, verses 7 and 8, gives us even further insight of the context in which the psalmist, this, this psalm was written by David, King David. He wasn't in just happy, joyful, blessed moment of his life and he wrote this psalm. He's going through trial. He didn't have strength. But and yet he begins with, I give thanks, O Lord. I give you thanks, O Lord, with my whole heart. Not because he feels it, but because it is good for him to give thanks, the proper thing, in obedience. So today, I'm not asking you to do you feel really thankful and grateful, especially if you haven't counted the blessings and then spiritual amnesia took over. And the past few, few weeks, I mean, the month of November, it hasn't been that good. But you might not feel thankful. The biblical mandate still for your own goodness to give thanks with all of your heart. And why is it God-centered? Do you notice this? All of a sudden he mentions, I give you thanks among, before the saints, before the people of God. You know, before God's before the gods, I sing your praise. And there are three basic interpretations into that. And one is, oh, people are saying, he, David is, you know, obviously God is alone and one and true God. So he doesn't believe there's many other gods. So he means, by the God, small g, he means the angels. Second interpretation in some other passages in the Old Testament, kings and judges are like gods. Like a, you know, Pharaoh would act like a god. Small, the small g. So maybe, maybe that's there. But third, and mo probably the most uh, fitting interpretation, 
This is really polytheistic society. Many false gods. And the people not only left and right worship false gods, but there are counterfeit, counterfeit gods that David tempted, feel tempted to worship as well. So in that polytheistic society, in context, David said, before these false gods, I, I praise you. I worship you. What would that look like for us? You know, none of us really have idols in our house, or even we, we don't even know the people who have idols and, and in their shrine and at home and worship. Obviously not. I think the counterfeit God is anything that we replace in the place of God. So maybe this way, I give you thanks, O Lord, before God of affluence and materialism. I sing your praises. God, before the, the God of pleasure and all this hedonistic pursuit, I worship you. Before fame, I worship you. Before entertainment, I worship you. You are glorious, superseding for all these temptations. Even before myself, that I treasure so much and get obsessed. I worship you. You are one true God. So we begin to feel the difference of the mainstream psychologists or Oprah Winfrey New Age movement of being thankful. Why? I'm thankful for flour. I'm thankful for coffee. I'm thankful for this. But God-centered is God, I am thankful for coffee because you gave me what this gift to me. Your ways are glorious and I sing your praises. You see the difference? Because to give thanks to the Lord beyond being merely thankful is to worship God as a giver of all gifts in all and bad circumstances. God-centered thanksgiving centers around God, which means it centers around God's character and God's word. God's character mainly here is a steadfast love and your faithfulness. The word hesed in David says we mentioned that several times. Loyal covenant love that we have a relationship with the Lord and he will never forget us. In spite of our fickleness, God will loyally love me because of his covenant toward me and that he will be faithful. And that he revealed himself in his word. His word is trustworthy. Flowers fall, plants wither, 
the word of the Lord will remain forever. Cheap promises of my friends disappoint me. The fickleness of relationship discourages me. The people I thought really continually thought they're for me when the time changes and suddenly this is then, that was then, this is now. I can't count on them. This is a disillusionment in life. But God and his word will never disappoint us, never fail us. So we should give thanks in such a way that our thanksgiving is God-centered. Secondly, oh, no, no. The reason why I think that this is important, God-centered thing is, throughout the scripture, the thanksgiving is always centered around our relationship with God. And this is what we want to do even at the end of this message as our communal thanksgiving time. Psalm 107, verse 21 to 22 says, Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of men. And let them offer sacrifices of thanksgiving and tell of his deeds in songs of joy. I'm repeating myself some things that I shared last Sunday during announcement time. The Old Testament's worship system of animal sacrifices and, and priests and high priests and holy of holies and holy places and tabernacles and temples are all done away because the real thing, the real sacrifice, the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, having laid his life for us for once for all, we have a eternal access to the throne of God without priest through the blood of Jesus. So no animal sacrifice is necessary. No priests are necessary. No tabernacles are special places necessary. But one thing continues, sacrifice of thanksgiving. That's worship. Even in New Testament. I hope this will be a reminder. Every Sunday we would come into this room with sacrifice of thanksgiving and praise. The second characteristic of wholehearted thanksgiving is contagious. Look at verse 4. All the kings of the earth shall give you thanks, O Lord, for they have heard the words of your mouth, and they shall sing of the ways of the Lord, for great is the glory of the Lord. For though the Lord is high, he regards the lowly, but the haughty he knows from afar. Did you notice that the kings of the earth, all the kings of the earth, give thanks? And then they have the words of 
heard the words of your mouth, Scripture? How is that possible? Because the people of God testify it. it. This is a missional thing. At the end of this day, at the end of the, the time will come that the, the kingdoms of the earth will turn into kingdom of God. For eternity, Jesus will be king. And in that kingdom, all kings of the earth, meaning all nations, all types of people, tribes and tongues, will give thanks. And eventually, because of our testimonies before, not only the believers, but also unbelievers, they have heard the word of the Lord. And they shall sing the ways of the Lord. And it's seeing the greatness of God's glory. There is a futuristic sense in here. But let's remember that. Thanksgiving is not private. Thanksgiving is contagious because it, it will overflow from us to somewhere. The people who are thankful, grateful, are pleasant to be around. And people who are ungrateful always see negative things and um, things that could be better. They're grumpy. And one of the aging symptoms, I'm praying that, pray for me, and I, as I'm getting older, you know, I'm still in denial, but at, you know, mid-50, how, how do I get here? But one thing I realize is nothing that excites me that much, but I could be grumpy all day long because of what people do, right? And one of the simple things that when I text my son, teenage sons, are you, will you be uh, ready by this time that I could pick you up? It's not even yes. I, I, the, my pleasant idealistic answer would be yes, dad, right? <laughs> Y-E. I could hear even this, this Maybe because I'm grumpy. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> I thought he was a mistake. So the other day, I keep on texting back. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> Coming back to that, I think... If we give thanks at Thanksgiving, the act and avoid of obedience of Thanksgiving will fill, fill our hearts with joy and gratitude. And it will overflow. And Thanksgiving is not only communal, but it's contagious. Even to, to unbelievers, we want to share naturally, not because of must. The same thing, if you listen and there's a favorite artist that you, you listen to all the time. 
And that band is in town. Did you see the enthusiasm of your friends who's inviting you? You ought to check this out. And in the same way, I, you know, because I like B.B. King so much, all our elders came with me to B.B. King concert before he passed away. But I didn't know what the smell was. And one of the elders said, that's not, that's not a cigarette. <laughs> Stop saying that. What is this smell? I said, something else. The essence of God's great glory that we are testifying is in this gospel. Although God is supremely high, the Lord takes care of the humble and yet stays away from the proud. The coming Christmas, this gospel comes out to be true in an incarnation. The high and great king high king of, of heaven comes to be one of one of us in physical body our Lord Jesus Christ but throughout the Old Testament and New Testament this is constantly the gospel news the Lord considers regards the lowly that's why we don't have to be someone great or someone famous as someone celebrity like to share what God has done. We every single one of us are qualified because we are the lowly. Just the humble is necessary. But until the all the kings and the nations will sing, this is what we ought to do. Charles Spurgeon in eighteen 81 wrote this part of the sermon in one verse on, on that verse. Um, he writes, Well, dear brothers and sisters, that time has not come, and therefore let us sing all the more. If the kings have not begun to sing, let us sing, and well we may. We have full permission to do it, for the next verse encourages us. Though the Lord is high, yet has he respect unto the lowly. He will be just as pleased with the song of the pageant as with that of the prince, with the psalm of the workman as with that of the monarch. Let us make up for royal silence. If others cannot praise God and speak well of his name, yet to let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed out of the hands of the enemy, if we do not speak, surely the stones of the street will cry out against us. And I say amen. I hope Things are bubbling up in your, in your heart now. Thanksgiving is not just a season to endure, to pass by. And I don't want to really have, I don't want to make up the things that I'm thankful for because I don't feel thankful for. But this becomes the reason for us. We are the redeemed that we should sing. 
Until the day all the kings and nations, our unbelievers, will kneel down before Jesus and sing praises of God's glory and great glory and give thanks to him. Until then, we ought to sing really all the more. And third and last, wholehearted thanksgiving is reassuring. David sang, this song begins with, I give you thanks. And then verse 5 and 6 and 6, 4, 5 and 6, he turned to the third person about the king's praising and sing praises to the Lord. And then in closing, he comes to the first person again. Verse 7, though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. You stretch out your hand against the wrath of my enemies, and your right hand delivers me. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Your steadfast love, O Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the work of your hands. Then bulls will be offered on your altar. Did you notice he is being assured as he's giving thanks to the Lord? wholeheartedly, intentionally. There are three assurances here. Number one, that God will preserve him. Yes, God will preserve and protect us as as well. And verse 7 sounds like a Psalm 23, another David psalm. Even though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, valley of death, I shall not be fearful, for you are with me. Second reassurance is that God will fulfill his purpose for, for him and for us as well, even if you're going through very tough times. How can you call that blessing? Well, I'm not calling, I'm not blind, things are bad. But I know God has good purpose for me that he will accomplish his will for me for eternity through this. All things will work together for good because of his sovereignty. Third and last assurance is that God will never forsake him, never forsake us. See, the good news is this. Our wholehearted thanksgiving will bring these three assurances, reassurances to us as well. Just to show that this is so consistent throughout Old Testament and New Testament, I give you two New Testament passages. First of all, preserving our lives. The uh, Apostle Paul writes this in Romans 8, verse 38 to 39. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, no powers, no height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation, including ourselves, will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. 
This is an absolute assurance. Philippians 1.6 tells us his purpose will be fulfilled by him, by his sovereign providence for us. Paul writes, I am, and I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, today is a Thanksgiving Sunday and we want to offer sacrifice of Thanksgiving communally together. But I want to give you glimpses of heaven. That for the eternity, something that we will do every day. And by the way, the concept of eternity, someday I'll speak on that. But it's not like, oh, you know that ground, groundhog dog day? You beep, beep, it comes up and same thing happens over and over. How boring that will be. Heaven is called eternal now. Every day, every moment is eternal now. And then God is limitless, is a bound of his greatness and his mercies and his blessings are so bound. Our giving thanks never becomes a repetition of boring. Every time when we sing, every time when we give thanks, it's fresh, eternal now. Here's a glimpse of thanksgiving and, and praise in heaven. Revelation 7, verse 9 through 12. After this, I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and then ever. Amen. My, my prayer for entire congregation of our church, and starting with me, that this week will be a week of wholehearted thanksgiving. Not Turkey Day. Not Black Friday week. But wholehearted thanksgiving. Let's pray. Father, Thank you for this reminder. And our heart is bubbling up already. Teach us to obey for our joy as well as your glory. And guide us now as we communally give you thanks and bring sacrifice of thanksgiving and praise. In Jesus' name, amen.